This week on Ultra 64, our dinosaur hunting days go extinct as we finish off the Turok saga on Nintendo 64. Welcome everybody to Ultra 64. We are the Internet's comprehensive Nintendo 64 podcast. Each and every damn week we are playing a different randomly selected game from the Nintendo 64 catalog. And this week we are fragging it, we are tagging it, and we are flagging it because nobody rides for free. And my name is Steve Gunn. Hello, I am Cerebral Boar Woody Siskowski. <laughs> feeling, feeling a little low energy today. That's all right, uh, you know, that just get a nice little shot of adrenaline drilled straight into your skull, yeah. and I think we'll be good. Explode in a shower of blood. Yes. And that's like, it's like a cold shower in the morning, a nice cerebral bore to wake you up. <laughs> I hope somebody somebody in like some nerd bar makes like a signature cocktail called the Cerebral Boar. Like something, yeah. just like a really strong shot of something unpleasant. That just wakes you that up. That might be a fairly deep cut at this point. It might the, be. The Turok yeah. legacy has not endured, despite uh, the promises that the end of the Turok legacy would result in the end of the oh, the Oblivion. You know, so maybe we're here. Maybe uh, Turok ended and it took 10 years, but uh, I'm, I'm it's coming s- to pass. I'm going to say, that, okay, well, this this series has been the longest running on the Nintendo 64, weirdly. It's impressive. Like, it's, there's four games in three years. Four they, totally unique games. They unlike, cranked them all out. Unlike like, uh, Madden, where they're just like, all right, now you get new player rosters. Yes. This this has Oftentimes identical-looking figures, yeah. but look, the name is different. This has totally, uh, totally different... Four totally different games, all yeah. of which are fairly ambitious in their very, own ways. Very different vibes. Um, and I feel like the the system is winding down, uh, the series is winding down, and I think they left on a high note, quite honestly. Yeah. Like, I, I think the series closed it out. I mean, it would come back on the PS2 with Turok Evolution and uh, be a definite low note. <laughs> and I never played that uh, 2008 remake or re- reboot or whatever it was. I never it's played kind it. Of like just a general, like, weird dark era of gaming yeah. of like a bunch of stuff where they were digging back to be like all right we tried splatter house mm-hmm. what about this uh bionic commando like they couldn't yeah. quite find what was gonna be the next thing until like uh maybe the last of us came out or something yeah like yeah they were they were trying they were trying to bring back all these old franchises and Turok is not one that is necessarily stuck around in people's minds because it was always like good for what it is but like there's better options you know like these aren't the ones you go to first if you're looking back on your N64 what I catalog. What is weird about Turok, and this ha- this is more of the case as we get into these later games, is I think that most of the games play better than that first one. Yes. Um, the first one's a good game. It's fine, um, yeah. But they don't have the things that make you think of Turok. Like, the name Turok Dinosaur Hunter is so distinct, and, like, those first animations of having, like, raptors running at you and just sort of unloading on them with this shotgun yeah. is and being in these wide open um sort of jungle areas yeah whereas the later games kind of abandon that they've all been very narrow corridors mm-hmm. and just kind and of like, like this a game you start in like an office building and this uh, one as of i mean we didn't get to play it too far but there was no mention of dinosaurs in this third game at all no uh other than in the multiplayer modes where you can play as a raptor but like there really is no mention of dinosaur hunting at all anymore it's just kind of not really he's, what Turok he's changed does. his job yeah he's Turok paper pusher <laughs> Turok bureaucrat yeah. 
uh, red tape slicer. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we've kind of split up these games in kind of weird way. So like the first episode had its, or the first game had its own episode. The second game had its own episode, but there's really not enough new in the world of Turok to break up like two more completely distinct Turok episodes. So we decided to combine these two. Mm -hmm. They both came out pretty close to each other and uh, they came out at the tail end of the series popularity. So, and, and they're often overlooked, honestly, like yeah. people look back on one and two and they forget all about three and rage wars. So, yeah, I mean, because two, I think two is generally the one a lot of people have the most nostalgia for because it is more polished than one, but it came out sort of when N64 was more of a thing. Right. And where yeah. a lot of the games weren't just kind of afterthoughts. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So looking at what is new in the world of Turok, uh, <laughs> last time we got lucky because our Turok 2 episode came out right around the time like the series kind of was making some moves. Like yeah. there was some new stuff happening. They there did was a, a new, Switch remaster. There was a Switch remaster. There was a new little spin-off game, you know, so things looked promising for Turok. The only news that's arisen about the series this time is uh, with this came out within the last month, somebody unearthed a pitch doc uh, for a game called Turok 5 Revolution or uh, Resurrection, excuse me. Okay. More generic than Revolution. <laughs> uh, the pitch opens with, quote, Imagine Rambo thrown into Jurassic Park or King Kong Island with creatures from the island of Dr. Moreau added for extra spice. Okay. So uh, the story involves Turok being brought back to life by aliens in the far, far distant future to fight dinosaurs. He gets all kinds of cybernetic parts. Sounds boring. Um, <laughs> sounds like every game ever. So that game never emerged, uh, and honestly, it's not really looking likely to, because this other game we talked about, that Turok Escape from the Lost Valley, which is a little isometric, uh, kind of cutesy-styled uh, spinoff, uh, debuted to terrible reviews, <laughs> okay. uh, and it's not a good game. I played a little bit. It's it's like... It's tough to get very far into yeah. it without just getting stuck and frustrated and done. And I am I imagine that having a remaster of Turok 2 come out on Switch did nothing to sort of light the world aflame for more Turok. No. And probably more commonly was like people were like, Hey, I used to like this game. What happened? <laughs> and it's still I think the problem we were bumping into last time is that each one of those is retailing for fifteen dollars. Like, which still seems so high for an N6, even though there's an HD remake, like there's a, there's an upgraded element to those yeah. games, but it still feels too much to ask for the but same But it's tough. I don't quite know what the right balance is because it's, you can't, I don't think you can resurrect a dead property, go through the effort to port it to a newer system and redo all the graphics and then charge $5 for it. Yeah. Because it's just not going to have that level of interest. Like you're no. not going to sell like, a huge quantity of it because really the only people who buy it are people who already have nostalgia for it. Pretty much. Pretty much exactly. All right, so normally we approach these games in chronological order, but uh, we decided to mix it up a little bit. We're going to talk about Turok 3 first, even though it came out last chronologically. Yeah. But it, it closes out a loop, and then Rage Wars, it's kind of its own yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. It's like 1, 2, and 3 are a nice, clean little trilogy, and then 4 is, yeah, like you said, its own weird thing. Yeah. So Turok 3 Shadows of Oblivion that was released September 6th, 2000, developed by Acclaim Studios Austin and published by Acclaim Entertainment, and this is an N64 exclusive. Yeah, Turok 3 it really does not have the same cultural footprint as the others in this series. Uh, couldn't have helped that it came out so late after the Turok ship had largely sailed. And it, uh, come out, it probably came out after Perfect Dark as well. Uh, yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. Perfect Dark would have been, I want to say, May of 2000. So yeah, this is a little a few months before. Should it be called Turok Shadows of Perfect Dark? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of what happened. Yeah. Uh, the, the sales on this were actually fairly dismal. 170,000 units, which 
is you know good for many games but the other two games in the Turok series are million sellers mm. you know and this fell way way short of that uh so people just kind of overlooked this one uh but this is probably the most story driven of the entire series uh but and and cinem- Man, this, cinematic and this story is just madness like yeah. every Every Turok game it seems like you've sort of missed about 10 episodes in the middle of something yeah. where you're like, am I supposed to know who these characters are? Do I know the story of Turok? Like, the first game does a bad job of actually telling you what the story is. They yeah. just sort of drop you in and they're like, here's some dinosaurs, here's a shotgun, you know what to do. Yeah. Um, and the second but, game, like, you just get, the only cutscenes you really get are the beginning when you get warped to go see the alien deus ex machina yeah. who puts you in the game and gives you a gun and says, go do stuff. And the thing that's weird, too, is, like, these were all based on comic books, so I feel like they sort of expected you to sort of be aware of the Turok universe and the Turok aesthetic, but if you were only playing the first and second game in the series, like the outer space sort of sci-fi stuff would totally take you by surprise after yeah. playing the first game. Because the first game is like, oh man, I'm this like cool Native American dude and I got a bow and a shotgun. Like awesome. Yeah. And then the And you get some game, hints that this is kind of like an alien world a little yeah, bit. A little but at bit. the same time, it's the second it's still... game, they're like, oh, you have to save us from cosmic oblivion. Yeah, and there are cities and there are like, I don't know, all kinds of different laser weapons and things like that. Yeah. So it starts getting very, very sci-fi-ish. And, and then, then this game yeah. leans even further into that. So this picks up after the end of Seeds of Evil. Uh, the main enemy in that game was called the Primogen, as we all deeply remember. <laughs> I've got the tattoo on my chest. Yeah. Uh, so the Primogen has been destroyed. It destroyed the entire alternate universe that it was trying to bring over here. It was trying to meld our universes and create like a monster verse. Uh, but that universe disappeared. It's the, same, uh, it's the same plot as the Mario Brothers movie. Kind of, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Uh, so the the evil power at the center of all that universe, a thing that was like fueling Primogen, is this beast called Oblivion. Okay. And Oblivion was able to escape into our realm before his realm dis- was destroyed. He's very weakened, but he managed to go to the Lost Lands, which is that hidden land uh, from the first Turok with all of the dinosaurs in it. And he starts rebuilding his army from there and gathering mutants. Uh, so in the meantime, uh, Turok, as we recall, Turok is a, uh, it's a title that's been passed down. Right, again, another thing that is just not clear at all from the first game. Yeah. Like, every time you get something, I'm like, oh, I am Turok. And you're like, yeah, his name is Turok. Sure. That's, that's, that's who he is. I, be- like, I believe it. Yeah. yeah but, but it but turns it is- out, no, that's a sort of formal title that many people have held through the ages. Yes, yes. And it's passed down through different families. Uh, the Turok at the moment is uh, a young Native American named Joshua Fireseed, who was the hero of the last game. Was he the hero of the first game as well? He was not. The okay. first game was the original Turok, I think, who was Talset. Right. Um, but yeah, that yeah, Joshua Fireseed was new to that one. So as this game opens, uh, Joshua is having this dream of like a crying child. He goes to save it, but in his dream, he's killed before he has a chance to. He wakes up from this horrible premonition and tells his sister, Danny that uh, the child must be protected at all costs. He doesn't understand what that means yet, but he knows that the child has to be protected at all costs. We don't understand what it means either. We don't either. Uh, But uh, Danny and her brother Joseph are uh, asleep in the house that night when a portal opens up right next to a beautifully rendered drawing of a chicken that is hanging on the yeah they, they just have walls. a painting a painting of a chicken like yeah. framed it's like that sailboat in the behind the simpsons couch exactly like, why, yeah. why is this a picture yeah 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 it's just a nice chicken picture it, in case it's you also yeah. very odd and to see like fully animated cutscenes on the n64 like it wasn't until i was watching this that i realized how rarely this comes up as a thing 
of like yeah. a cutscene that actually sort of shows action and shows characters talking to each other with mouth movements. Yeah, the lip syncing was good. Fully voiced action. Yeah. Um, the, it, the characters look a little bizarre. Yeah, it doesn't you know look it great. Does, but, but it also like you you see what they're going for. It animates well, like yeah. it moves well, even if the figures are a little janky. Like sometimes the eyes will pop out of their heads. There's a lot of clipping. A lot of clipping, a lot of like kind of fuzzy edges. But you can see the skill in the animation. Uh, so this portal opens up inside the fire seed house. They go in trying to get the jump. Or these monsters come in and try and get the jump on Josh while he's asleep. He wakes up with a great badass line. He says, you're too noisy. <laughs> and then he shoots once, killing all three monsters with a single bullet. So it's a nice badass moment. But then Joshua walks out into the onto the uh, landing. He tells his brother and sister to get out of the house. They need to protect the Turok family name at all costs. At that time, he gets shot. He blows himself up with a grenade. He sacrifices blows, himself, yeah, yeah to, to let his siblings get away. This is another one of these weird elements where you just played, you mean, if you played Turok 2, you played through a whole game as this guy who got shot hundreds of times. Yeah, yeah. And now he's like, oh, I'm shot once, I'm done for. Yeah. There's like three monsters in his house. He's like, I can't handle them, there's too many. I think it was mostly the fall off the stairs. Oh, yeah. Him, you know, it's that's, the, that's the silent killer. It's a Today's con- yeah. episode of Ultra 64 brought to you by one of those staircase levers. <laughs> <laughs> and the bathtubs that you walk into. I legitimately, when I was a kid, like I thought that was something that was issued to everyone once they got old. Okay. And so I was so excited for that. I'm like, oh my God, I get to do like a roller coaster every time I want to go upstairs. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, probably not as fun. I don't think they're as, that as fast. All that. That, would, that would actually be pretty hilarious if they made one of those that was super fast and just shot you up the stairs. That's the thing. My other context for it was gremlins okay. when that happens, you know, but that only happened because the gremlins. Gremlin damn did. gremlins. The gremlin with it, damn it. Um, so yeah, so at this point, Joshua Fireseed is dead. He blows up their family home. Joseph and Danielle escape in the truck, and then they are driven off the road by a large beast, and uh, they are rescued by the alien woman, Adon. Is that her name again? Or- oh, is it the same woman from the previous one? It's the same okay. one, Her yeah. design is a little different. Yeah, a slightly different design, but it's meant to be this. Maybe that's a title like Turok as well, oh, okay. like passed down yeah. from different aliens. Either way, she takes the two siblings into this, uh, what they call the Council of Voices, and there's a very cool design here of like these kind of H.R. Giger-esque like talking robot heads yeah. that extend out of the wall. And they're like the the galaxy's elders and everything. They're hard to understand yeah. because of the very tinny audio, but it's a cool design. It looks good. I and agree. it's like a it's a clever idea. Um, so at this point, you have to decide which one of the two siblings becomes the new Turok. So you can choose either play as Danny or Joseph. And the game is going to be slightly different depending on who you play as. So Danny is more action oriented, and she gets a super rad grappling hook, which we will talk about yeah, in a little bit. It's fun. And uh, Joseph is a little weaker, but he's faster and he's better with stealth, and he gets night vision goggles, so okay. you can sneak up on people. It, this this is neat. It's cool to be able to choose a character that will sort of differentiate the game at the beginning. Though I do feel like it might have been a better choice to sort of swap between them at like various levels, like one level you play as Danny and you're using the grappling hook to get around. And then another level has a little more stealth focus. Um, just so you're like seeing, I I'm just a big fan of being able to see everything in one playthrough of a game. Mm-hmm. Anytime a game's like, well, if you really want the full experience, play through it multiple times. I'm like, Nope, no, I'd I'm rather good. not. No. Yeah. I'm all right. I'm all right. You know, but I like that they offered that. You know, it's showing that the series is, uh, it's trying to evolve a little bit. It's trying mm-hmm. to try some new things. And having things. a female Turok is cool. It's great. Yeah. yeah. They, they mentioned, I don't know what happened, but they said there was only one other female Turok and she couldn't handle it. I well, don't know what to make about that. I mean, that. for what it's worth, 
all the other Turoks have died. So none of the Turoks have handled it it that that well. Yeah. 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 So I don't know why they needed to qualify it. Like just say (laughs) all of the Turoks died. It doesn't matter what their gender was, but whatever. Either way, Danny is the uh, the new female Turok, uh, and she's I think the more fun one to play as for me. Like anytime, whenever I, you have a choice of grappling hook and non grappling hook, the choice is obvious. Oh, and by the way, I need to put a grappling hook uh, logo or jingle in here right now. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, it's a really good grappling hook too. You get it pretty early in the game, and it's got. It's well, you more just start like a, with it by default, but oh, you, you don't, don't start with it by default. Well, oh, you no, don't you know do. You it. just don't use it until maybe you know five minutes into the game. Okay, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I mean, you just find these little hovering orbs, and then you zap to it. It's got a really good range, it does, and it is very fast. So very it's, fast, it's exciting so, to just sort of zap from one to the other. Very accurate. You know, I uh, I stand these grappling hooks. I think <laughs> these are good grappling hooks in this game. Uh, the gameplay also offers a much more generous auto aim than you've gotten in the past, which is welcome because it's hard to aim with much precision. I will on the say, I do think it's a little too generous because mm. it will always snap right to an enemy's chest. And this game, like most good first person shooters awards headshots. Yeah, yeah. So you really have to like, you have to fight it to actually pull up to the head. Yeah. Um, but without the auto aim, it, it can be frustrating. And if you want like more precision, you can shoot with the bow because I don't think the auto aim turns on for that. Okay. You know, you just need to, but that takes a slower sucks. draw. I mean, that's, that's the unifying theme of all these Turok games is the bow sucks. It's not Which good. Which is, is a bummer because like, that's one of my favorite weapons to use in a video game. Yeah. I loved using, I love using a bow and arrow in a video game when it's done right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's not great here, but Luckily, I mean, it's a Turok game, so you get all kinds of crazy, crazy weapons that you can find. Uh, There's a very robust selection of 23 guns in this game. Uh, Your default weapon is a tomahawk, which can be upgraded into a projectile called a razor wind, which is really cool. And it's one of those, like, default weapons that's, like, powerful enough. It's the pistol from Halo 1. Kind of. It'll carry you quite a while uh, just using that if you want to. It's actually better than if you just have the bow and the tomahawk. Use the tomahawk. It's better. Um, but all the big hitters are back, you know, your cerebral bore and all of your standard issue ordnance, your pistol, assault rifle, shotgun, all that. Uh, some of the new weapons this time around include the vampire gun, which I couldn't quite get the hang of. I didn't understand the mechanics of this. You're supposed to be up close to your enemy and then you hold the trigger and drain health from them and give it to yourself. Okay. Cool idea. But this is not a game where characters like stand still very often or it's, it's not very clear when you're close to them. So... It's not uh, the best use. And then there's the Personal Singularity Generator, or the PSG, which is a mm-hmm. room-clearing weapon that has to be assembled out of three parts, much like the Chrono Scepter in the first game, where you just have to find the pieces, and then you can use it. Got uh, it. Got it. Yeah. So, yeah, single-player is definitely the main focus here, yeah. and we get the series' most robust and cinematic and well-told story. Like, it's still kind of B-movie camp with lots of sci-fi nonsense, but there's... Uh, there's care and attention put into telling the story. I, mean, I think that this game is very structurally different than the pre- previous two. Yeah. Because one and two, you're just kind of dropped into this fairly wide open area. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, you need to find a certain number of keys or you need to unlock these teleporters. And it's very easy to get lost and confused, which is something that frustrated us in Turok 2. Yeah. And certainly has frustrated me in Turok 1 as you get farther in the game. Um, this game feels much more modern. Yeah. Um, they're, they're like, okay, you're going to drop in this 
office building and there's sort of only one way out. You can try and drop through the elevator at the start, but you will die. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have to sort of work your way down a couple floors. um, And they cleverly sort of like you were saying, they guide your direction of how you have to go. There's like the police set up a curfew and a blockade and will just annihilate you if you get close to them. Yeah. Um, so it steers you. It tells you, it's like, okay, this obvious option isn't the way, so there's going to be some way. Look for a ladder, look for a, a hole in the wall, something like that. So it's definitely a trade-off. Like, yeah. I do think that part of what people enjoyed about at least Turok 2 is that sense of, like, exploration and finding secrets and things like that. Whereas this game is a lot easier on you, yeah. Um, and you you lose that. But I that's a, that's a trade I am always willing to make. I will always trade um, confusion. I will always sacrifice confusion to gain linearity. Yeah, yeah, it's, for sure. I I understand that impulse. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a more satisfying story. I've played through this a little bit. I rented this game back when it was new, and I played through a decent amount. There are some very very large boss battles. Uh, there's there's Quite a bit of variety in the gameplay here. So if you're going to play a single-player Turok game, this is the way to go. I think this is the strongest one. The uh, the enemies, at least at the start, I didn't find particularly interesting. I think that's always been a slight weakness of Turok games. Yeah. Um, is the like it wasn't until Halo that they really started figuring out like, hey, enemy AI like really matters in a first-person shooter. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just kind of mowing down targets. But to feel like you want to actually dodge and time your sort of getting out of cover. I, I don't know. I mean, that's just sort of... I guess that's the price you're always going to pay when you're playing a first-person shooter from this era. Oh, yeah. Because you're just not quite getting that f- matching of wits between you and the AI. There was, there's a moment uh, when I was playing by myself where I, I shot the cop like mm-hmm. a whole bunch because... They're just right behind this little uh, laser barrier, and they don't seem to come out. Right. So I was going to see, oh, can I take him out? And I shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. He kind of ignores the bullets, slowly walks over to his car, gets in a turret, and then executes me <laughs> <laughs> with, like, a gigantic, like, anti-air cannon that, like, it's a one-hit kill. But, like, I had plenty of time to get away <laughs> and go to a different place. He's just slowly walking over. Um, and it should be noted, too, that this game glitched out on me a couple times. I got mm. stuck in some railings. I got stuck in some stairs uh, to the point where you can't move anymore. Uh, and I don't I mean, know. It made like, me realize that this is something we used to see a lot, and it's not something you see anymore. Yeah, that's true. I mean, this game sort of has a much floppier feel than some of the earlier Turok games. I, yeah. I keep trying to articulate this, and I'm not quite... Like, your your character, since you're playing, uh, we were playing as Danny... And Joseph, they're both pretty skinny. Yeah. Like, they don't have heft the way uh, Turok does in the original game. No. And, like, your first gun is just a sort of wimpy-looking pistol. You do, I don't know. It, there's not really a sense of, like, you're a big person sort of moving around with impact. It feels very light, and that makes some of the jumping a little frustrating. Yes. Not that the jumping wasn't frustrating in previous Turok games. It's probably the least frustrating here. Definitely. But it's still, like... The first level is like climbing over some rooftops. And yeah. Like, I could do without this. I, I could generally do without first-person jumping uh, in any sense. But I did go back and replay Turok 2 a little bit just to compare and contrast. And you're right. Like, the characters in 3 do feel lighter, but in 2 they feel cumbersome. Okay. He feels He feels slow and bulky. Like, so I kind of rather take the lighter, yeah. swifter characters than the big that. bulky ones. And I mean, maybe that's cool in its own way, because again, this is these are Turoks with a different vibe. This yeah, ain't, this ain't your dad's. This is your sister's Turok. This is your sister's Turok, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and the multiplayer here, there's quite a robust suite of uh, multiplayer modes in this game. Which whenever is... I go to the Marriott, that's where I stay. That's oh, the, the, robust... the robust suite of multiplayer. <laughs> <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm trying to imagine what goes on in there, and yeah. I don't think I want to. Okay. Um, Fine, you're not invited. Damn it. Okay, I knew I shouldn't talk myself out of that. No, but considering that Rage Wars, which we'll talk about in a second, is a game specifically dedicated to multiplayer, it's almost surprising that this game has more variety of multiplayer yeah. modes than that game, and, in addition to a fully fleshed out story mode. And some of the multiplayer modes here are like very clever ideas for multiplayer modes. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't like the multiplayer in this game very much um, because, like I said, it feels pretty light. Your characters all feel pretty light, and none of the guns are super exciting to use. Everyone's just okay. kind of a bullet sponge, too. It takes forever to take someone it's down. very hard to hit them. You start, you run out of ammo a lot, too, so you're running around with the sort of slapper equivalent of the spear. Yeah, yeah. And as we know from Goldeneye, slapper's good for a laugh, but not very good for actually killing anyone. Right. And so there's a lot of just trying to stab people in the head. Well, a lot of the standard modes come back, and we're going to talk about most of those with Rage Wars, so I'll, I'll leave off some of them. But some of the new modes they include here are uh, uh, a re Arsenal of War. This is an interesting kind of idea. So everybody starts off with a spear. Mm -hmm. and that's, that's all you that's get. That's all you get. And then once you die, you come back, and you still have a spear, but now you have like a bow. And then if you mm -hmm. die again, you come back with a spear and a pistol. You keep getting a stronger weapon. And you have a limited amount back. of lives. So everyone starts with seven lives. Mm. And each time they die, they come back with the next tier of weapon. So it culminates with everybody getting a cerebral bore, which is of course the iconic weapon from part two that locks onto you, drills into your head and makes it explode. Yeah. Always fun. <laughs> uh, and it works pretty well in multiplayer too. Yeah. Um, this was a, this was a pretty fun mode, I thought. Um, yeah, I mean, pretty, it's a it's really clever. clever balance because if you're good and you get multiple kills with the spear, like mm. people are going to be coming after you with more powerful weapons. Yeah. Um, but again, it just it was you can only pick up ammo for the one gun you have, and often that will only spawn in one place in the level. Yeah, so they're kind of they're ammo there. There are ammo pickups all over, but you can't like pick up shotgun ammo if you don't have one. Yeah. Yeah, and then the um, and yeah, again, it just resulted in a lot of sort of spear pokes. Yeah. I, yeah. I guess what I, I really liked this idea for a game because it's sort of a natural balancing element, and you're like, you can feel badass if you get a lot of kills with the spear. Yeah. Um, but again, I just based on the gameplay of this, this is something I would have liked to see. I haven't seen this mode in other multiplayer shooters. No. And it does feel like something that is kind of untapped as an idea. I'd like to see this come back with a little more balance and just like a little more, I don't know, again, it's just, maybe I'm just used to playing GoldenEye on uh, uh, License to Kill mode, yeah. but you know, it, it feels like it takes a long time to bring anybody down. No, and I, I agree with that. Like, it's hard to know how much damage your shots are actually dealing, but I'm sure most of that is just from it's hard to hit people with this sort of, with, with the N64 aiming. Yeah. Like, you're just not landing many shots. And the other idea that they had here, which I think is a clever idea that needs to be on a different system with more players, and that's called color tag. Basically, you start as a color uh, everybody's their own color. When you shoot somebody and kill them, then they come back on your team. So now they've been tagged with your color and your your army's growing bigger as you whittle the them down. The goal is to turn everyone into the same color. Which is right. a it's a really fun idea, but this with needs only to be four on players. Like a battle, battlefield like fifty player mode. Yeah, yeah. We need something like big, like Fortnite sized version of this. Where, because I, th I think that would be much more fun and just a much bigger map. There's a lot of map variety here. We get 25 different maps to play on, which is pretty good. Mm -hmm. uh, but they are all pretty small uh, and yeah. they're pretty limited. I mean, they're bigger than the ones in Rage Wars. Yeah. But um, for better or worse. For better or worse, yeah. Um, 
is that a good time to segue into Rage Wars? Sure, sure. Yeah. So yeah, we're talking about it. we're talking about the single player of uh, Turok Three, good good single player modes, and then you know fully fleshed out multiplayer. But then with Rage Wars, I mean that's that's a hundred percent multiplayer. It is. So, so Turok Rage Wars, uh, and aren't all wars Rage Wars? Yeah. I mean, really. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, this was Except released for the War of the Roses. Oh, that's true. That was just a war about gardening. I'm yeah, pretty exactly. sure. Yeah. Uh, released November 29th, 1999, developed by Acclaim Studios Austin and published by Acclaim Entertainment, and that is an N64 exclusive. should be noted that Acclaim Studios Austin is actually Iguana Entertainment. Uh, they changed their name after Turok 2. This is the first time they've done that, but you still have the Iguana logo on top of the Acclaim oh, Studios yeah. uh, symbol. So, I remember yeah. seeing Iguana for NBA Jam on the Super Nintendo. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's always great because the Iguana always like does something silly. Yeah, it always like, fights back. Or, or, yeah, it's always fun. Yeah, so like I, I was always under the impression that this was the last game released in the series on the N64. It's kind of like a... The greatest hits, you know. Here's here's what we did. Now let's let's yeah, have I mean, fun with this multiplayer. That mode. would have made sort of a lot more sense of the narrative. You do yeah. like one, two, and three, and they're like, okay, now we gotta sort of go out with a little bang here of just like looking back. But no, this game actually came out before Turok Three. Yeah, and the, the developers actually started making this one right around the same time as Turok Two, because essentially they had a ton of ideas for multiplayer modes, and they simply couldn't fit them all into Turok Two. So they thought, let's just do a dedicated, like, Quake 3-style, like, arena fighter mm-hmm. that's just multiplayer. Uh, and and they're doing away with the story, just kind of stripping it down to the basics, which, not a bad idea. Not no, a bad idea. I mean, yeah. this is this is where shooters have gone. Yeah. Like, this is what, you know, sh- you either have your loot shooters, which I don't think there's any of those on the N64, but it's pretty much you just play a game of against components online you win or lose and then you come back and you just play another one like the yeah. story is kind of always an afterthought in yeah. first person shooters now yeah yeah pretty much i mean and quake popularized that and this is i think the only one of these kind of games on the n64 yeah it's just so. devoted as like an arena arena mode and i mean you can take that as you will because it feels a little weird that like you know, like I said, Turok 3 has all of these modes and more, mm-hmm. plus a full story mode. Yes. So it almost feels like a little bit more bang for your buck. Oh, no question. But the multiplayer here is satisfying, and it's it's very fast, and it moves well. It's intuitive. The controls are swifter and a little cleaner. And not having all that extra cart space for the story mode means that you can run at a pretty smooth clip. Yeah, one thing we didn't talk about on Turok 3 is the frame rate is questionable. Up and down, um, up it, and down. Yeah, yeah. It, it is definitely noticeable, and it makes it a little rough sometimes when you're trying to do jumps and then it hiccups and you yeah. fall to your doom um, and to your, to your oblivion. Um, mm-hmm. This game runs super smooth. It's very nice. Uh, you won't notice any real uh, lag or anything. No, this is one of the best I, I don't know. I, I've played this game a lot for whatever reason. This is just one that I owned and yeah. kept going back to. I think this is one of the smoothest playing first-person shooters on the system. Yeah. Like, there's no issue with frame rate, even if you're playing multiplayer. Um, all of these modes have bots. Um, and that's the thing I want to talk about, too. Like, this, I think Turok this is... 3 had the, bots as well. Turok 3 had bots, but I think this is the first game on the N64 to use them. Uh, okay. Because Goldeneye didn't use them, No, right? there's no, definitely but, no bots in Goldeneye. And this came out before Perfect Dark, which had it. So, okay. yeah, I, I think this was the first one to get to it. Uh, and that's... That makes a huge, huge makes difference. Makes a huge difference, especially, like, if you don't always have three people around who want to play Turok, you know? It's like you can play by yourself and ha- hone your skills. And the AI is not bad in these bots. No. Like, 
Um, you can set them to hard, medium, I think and easy. There's four different difficulties, actually. Oh, nice. Um, okay. And yeah, it's definitely noticeable. Um, some of the characters are raptors, um, which you can just set the computer, which changes the aesthetic as well. Because the raptors can't use weapons, but they'll run up and try to claw your face off. Yeah. Which is always fun. Yeah, well, or mean, you can play as a raptor, which is neat too. Um, except you are definitely not going to want to do that because this game has got a very fun arsenal, as is true of all the Turok games. Yes, it sure and does. Yeah, we've got uh, 20 different weapons here. And of course, we have all of our standard issue bullshit, your miniguns, your your assault rifles, all that. But the cool stuff includes, of course, the cerebral bore <laughs> back again. Uh, the inflator. This one's really fun. It's just yeah. you shoot a laser at somebody and they get puffier and puffier and puffier until they explode. Yeah. It's great. There's the chest burster where uh, you infect your enemy with a chest bursting alien, a la alien, sure. and it jumps out and kills them. And then there's like the iron claw, which is just a big ass bear trap. Yeah, there's like, a couple things in this game that are tools. They're like yellow pickups. I think the cerebral bore is actually one of them. Like it's not a weapon you can select. It's something you'll pick up. Wait, that's a tool? We're calling yeah, that a tool? Yeah, it's a tool. It's like a, it's like those it's little like balls. It's like a hammer. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's like those little balls in Phantasm. Yeah. It's like you pick it up and you throw it at someone. And it he just uses those around the funeral home to tidy up. <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. it's time. To, you, you straighten a good shelf, boy. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, a fun variety of weapons, uh, and they're not too stingy with them, and you're not really going to run out of ammo too easily like you do in 3. Yeah, so what I really, really like about this game is that the way... I mean, we've all played GoldenEye where you're running around, and you're like, great, I found a Distovi. I found a PP7. Like, yeah. that's all I can find. Or you send someone spawned right behind me with, like, the auto shotgun. Yeah, yeah. And, in this game, there is no... Um, you pick your loadout at the start, so you always have the same guns when you're playing, and you get quite a few to choose from. You choose from two bullet-fueled guns. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the shotgun, minigun, pistol. Um, I think two energy weapons that do sort of the weirder things, and then one explosive weapon. Yeah. Um, and then you only have to find those kinds of ammo. Which is um, very nice. Which is very nice, because the ammo is generous, and that means you'll always have something to fight with. Everyone also gets a war a warhammer and you have to you have to paint it before you can uh, before you can play sure absolutely um, yeah you have to sit down meticulously detail your hammer yeah your warhammer <laughs> um but that's just your melee weapon and the other thing that is really really cool is every gun and um, in this game has an alternate fire mode uh-huh so when you can you press b for example the inflator or I'll, the inflator you will you can either shoot normal lasers at people or if you press b it'll kind of do this like two second long charge up and then it'll be shaking and you'll shoot this one powerful laser that costs like 60 energy ammo but if you hit someone with it they will inflate fully and explode instantly it's great yeah it's yeah. very fun or the uh, shotgun you can press b and you'll cock it like five times and then again you do this sort of blast of you know five shells at a time which okay. again is not how shotguns work. Because <laughs> cocking the shotgun expels the shell. So really you're just emptying your shotgun and shooting an empty nothing at the your opponent. Sure. It's but a great it's an, move. It's an effective empty nothing. <laughs> I don't recommend it. It's, that's, that's what they did in the never ending story. They shot an empty nothing. <laughs> I did uh, like uh, even just the alternate fire on the like magnum pistol mm -hmm. is just like you get a laser sight, you get one clean shot that's very powerful. Yeah, it takes like twenty five ammo. It's nice. But yeah, yeah it, 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 it makes every gun feel pretty unique and pretty satisfying. One of them shoots like sticky mines and you can press b to explode them yeah um i the only issue is i'm not sure the weapons are like super well balanced as no. far as i can tell like the freeze gun is basically worthless if you charge it up it will freeze someone instantly in place but it does like no damage and i never had very good luck with the boomerang no i 
And and that's kind of why, like, this isn't a game that you really see being played competitively, like <laughs> Quake 3 or anything like that. No. Not just the lack of uh, uh, online functionality, but I think it is inherently kind of an unbalanced game. So I don't think this is one for, like, super serious competitive shooters, like Unreal Tournament right. or something like that. Well, and there's no, you know, there's no real mod community since it only is on the Nintendo 64. Yeah, but I think this is an ideal game for people who just play a shitload of GoldenEye and kind of want just a different flavor. Yes. Uh, which I think this provides. We have four main modes here. There's Bloodlust, which is just deathmatch. Team Bloodlust, which is what it sounds like. <laughs> uh, Fragtag returns from Turok 2. And that mode, if you remember, is where you uh, one person keeps getting turned into a monkey or a chicken or some kind of helpless animal yeah, with lower health. Uh, and uh, you need to run around, try and get to a base before somebody else takes you out. And if you and kill the it, monkey, you get a point. Um, we liked this mode a lot in Turok 2. Um, we had a nice time playing it with Brendan and Natasha. Yeah. Um, it seems less fun here, and I think the reason for that is these levels are so much smaller. Yeah. You're kind of always right by either the teleporter or, um, I don't know, it's just the monkey will run past you really quick. It just doesn't... You, you spawned in front of me like three times yeah, in a row Yeah, it does as a not monkey. feel as open or as well-balanced in that front. Um, but no. I do think that the... Very small environments do work very well for the deathmatch modes. Because yes. again, you know, going back to Goldeneye, there's times where you run around in the caverns and you're like, I haven't seen anyone for five minutes. Yeah. In this, you are always finding someone to shoot at, and it's sort of nonstop action. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like this game is kind of like is a very it is a very dumb game without sure. like a ton of ton of features. But I really do feel like this is sort of the definitive, just multiplayer you're going to go in and you're just going to blast people and you want your action quick and that's another thing i like a lot about the multiplayer modes is you select um you select like say deathmatch and it just plays through all the levels yeah and i think they're randomly organized or something like it but it doesn't make you waste your time choosing like a vaguely named level yeah they're all kind of the same basically (laughs) yeah they're gonna have two levels and you run around in the dark and there's even a, a bit of a single-player mode here. It's just called Trials Mode, and you can play it co-op as well. And basically, it's just endless deathmatch with boss fights. Yeah, uh, I mean, basically, yeah, it's just it's mixes all, think up like the, the uh, Think like the Challenge Tower in Mortal Kombat. You're, you're working your way up the ranks. You're killing bosses along the way, and in the meantime, you just need to take out, like a certain set number of enemies to advance. And I think that's especially fun with uh, two players, yeah. um, just because you you still are fighting against each other in most of the levels, and it's just like some, you need to beat the computer to seven, seven kills. Um, but then you get to a boss, and you're working together to destroy them. And this game has a lot of unlockables as well. There's yeah. like, you start, I think there's only like four characters at the beginning, but you unlock at least like 10 or 15 characters playing through the single player. Yeah, I think uh, I had that written down. It's 16. Yeah. You get 16 characters and 36 maps, uh, which is pretty good. But most of the characters aren't that exciting. No. They're just kind of like different variants on Except henchmen. Except for the raptor. The raptor's fun, but like most of them, like these are not like beloved characters. <laughs> it's like, oh, look, it's insectoid. Yeah. It's so There's a character just named Slave. Like, I don't know <laughs> about that one. And like, yeah, so it's not a terribly exciting roster. Even it's you know, it's not like in Goldeneye. It's like, yeah, you eventually get to those Russian guards and everything like that. We had to unlock but you still those have guys like the code. Right. That, that's become so uniform of people having put in that code and having it saved on the cartridge. Yeah. People yeah, just yeah. assume it's part of the game. But those guys, they didn't come by default. No, no, it's true. But like at the same time, if you play a lot of Goldeneye, you're used to seeing yeah. those. But you do have like a dozen name characters that you recognize from Bond movies that you get to cling to. And there's just not a lot in the Turok mythology to uh, 
cling on to like that. It's it's not that rich or detailed. I and I don't know. I just again, this game just feels sort of your characters feel more impactful and heavier than they did in Turok Three. Um, and this game also is very violent. Yeah, um, quite violent. All of these are. Yes, yeah. all of these are. But again, this one to me just feels like your guns sort of have more push. Like when you shoot someone a bunch with that inflator, they explode in a pile of blood. And yeah. it's you know, it's pretty gratuitous, and that's what you want from these kind of games. Yeah, I mean, it's called a rage war. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of two more aggressive words. You know, that's pretty, it's it's all out there. Anger fight. Anger fight. Punch hate. Yeah. There you go. Uh, do you know about the gray cart version of this? Do you know the story behind that? No. Okay, so uh, this game, the original version of Turok Rage War, shipped with a pretty major, some would almost oh, say yeah. a game-breaking glitch. So... In the two-player co-op version of Fragtag, it is impossible to win. So regardless of how well you do, the screen is always going to say mission failed and you won't be able to earn the completion medal for that mode. And now is this a, that's a black cartridge? That's or? in the black card okay. version. So it's not really clear how a glitch this big made it into the game, but it did, and uh, it left a claim with a potentially expensive problem Yeah. Uh, because cartridges can't like be patched or anything. So basically what they had to do is is ignore what happened. They tried to ignore it as much as possible, but if players complained, then they would issue them a gray cart version that fixes the bug. Okay. Uh, and so now those gray cart versions have become very, very rare because not very many people wrote in to ask for a which corrected is, which version. Which is very odd that this bug that prevents people from advancing in the co-op mode wasn't more common but yeah it's not a ton of people played this game it's but. true it wasn't like a huge huge seller and like you know think about like how often have you ever ridden into a game company that the game is broke i it never would occur to me to even That's do that point. so it's amazing that there are any out there at all uh so yeah as a result it's one of the rarest titles on the system uh some people mm -hmm. on ebay were selling this for upwards of 800 dollars, but wow. uh it I, seems I like two to three is more standard yeah um i just have a black card version i don't need mm -hmm. The, the great card uh, that's, that's when you get into the real deep cuts of having too much money and wanting to waste it on pointless garbage exactly it's variant collecting you're like i only collect the pokemon stadiums that say not for resale or like collect or uh complete in box collecting yeah, or like the I four don't... the four screws nes i only oh yeah i only collect things without the ridges on the top it's yeah like, well okay that's <laughs> yeah no whatever no. does it for you that's fine go for yeah. it uh, do you have anything else to say about these Turok games before we retire the series? We hang their jersey above the stadium with blood all over it. No, I'm just I'm I'm impressed that there's so much Turok for the N64. Like it, it yeah. really is mm -hmm. in some ways. Like it's the only series that basically like lived and died on the N64. <laughs> Essentially, like, it did. Yeah, like we said, there were uh, there were two games, two major console games after this, both of which were poorly received. A handful of Game Boy games. There weirdly is a Game Boy version of Turok Rage Wars. Yeah. It it carries that name, but obviously a multiplayer only game is going to translate well to the Game Boy Color. So it's a totally distinct thing with its own story and gameplay. Uh, but yeah, yeah, and the series. I'm kind of thinking we can call time of death on it at this yeah, point. I like think I think fine. the the last few attempts to revive it really have not been successful. I mean, I think what the the Turok makes Turok work is fighting dinosaurs, and yeah. I think that's the key to it. Is you want to be in the jungle, you want to be fighting dinosaurs, and I feel like in these later games, a lot of that identity got lost, and the sort of people lost interest in it because it's like, oh, this just looks like perfect dark. This looks like Daikatana. There's <laughs> like, there's something very inherently campy about the idea of it. 
And so the only way to bring it back, I think, would be almost as a throwback, as kind of a 50s style, like, I don't know, make it make it pulpy, make it uh, make it lean into the goofiness of hunting dinosaurs. Yeah. You know, that's a silly idea on its face. So I think, you know, if, if it ever does come back, I hope somebody runs with it and finds a fun thing to do with it. Um, and we'll, we'll we'll end up seeing. Let's move on to our rankings here. Um, let's start. I'm going to start off this time. Each week we are ranking the different games that we have played. Uh, so for me, I think I am, I'm in a weird position here because early on in the show, when we recorded the first Turok, I think we rated that game higher than we would now. Yes, I agree with that. Because I'm in this position where like, I think this game is better than, or Turok 3 is better than both of the first two Turok games. Okay. I, th- I like it more. I think it plays better. I think it's more uh, satisfying experience. But I wouldn't put it on the list higher than Turok because that's kind of above some games that I would still consider better yes. than Turok 3. Yeah. So and that might be some finagling. Either way, I am putting Turok 3 at number 30. Uh, that's going to oh, be right nice. underneath uh, Windback and right above for uh, Hybrid Heaven. Okay. Uh, good spot to be in. Uh, it's a yeah. solid game. It really is. And I think it's slept on a little bit. And then uh, Turok Rage Wars, a little bit below that. It's going to go at number 43, so that's right below 1080 and right above Tom and Jerry Fists of Furry. Nice. Very solid, fun multiplayer game. Um, You know, the Turok series is not known for being the most ambitious, but it's it's trying things with all of these. Like, it's do, it's putting out some quality first-person shooters. Yeah. Like on this platform, uh, and and I'm 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 happy you got to play through the series a little bit. Yeah, no, yeah. I I um I have a similar response of thinking that this game is better than the earlier two Turoks, but having the first one ranked higher. I mean, yeah. the first Turok is sort of in a very recognizable game in the oh, way yeah. that this later one is not. But I do think that this plays a lot smoother than that. Um, it doesn't have as much of that very annoying jumping. Or the fog, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Turok 3, I'm putting at number 56 on the list. Um, Rage Wars I actually like more than Turok 3. Which um, is fair. Just, again, because I do think it plays it plays smoother. I, d- I mean, this is a game I would imagine that if you had bought for full price, you would have been kind of pissed. You're like, <laughs> this is it. I bought these other two Turok games that had these big single-player adventures, and this one, all I do is play through, like, you know, 25 trial levels. Yeah. Um, but if you have four people, um, I would heartily recommend going on a Rage War. Um, yeah. So that, uh, But I'm only putting it one above. That's at number 55. Okay. So both of those are right below Chameleon Twist 2, another game that I like a lot. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good spot for it. Well, thank you, Turok, for your service. We <laughs> send you off into the ether of space, with your tomahawk and your dinosaur hunting murder guns. <laughs> uh, we have a couple of letters this week to close us out. Wonderful. Can I, I before we get into I yeah. want to answer a couple letters that got, uh, questions that got asked in previous letters. Oh, yeah. I felt like I didn't give fully fleshed out answers. So real quick, I thought about this more. Somebody asked us about most disappointing sequel. Oh. I believe the correct answer to this is ActRaiser 2. Oh. Which is a game where you know what people love about the original Act Razor is like the God Mode simulation, which yeah. is awesome the way it switches between it. That's not in Act Razor 2. They really? just got rid of that totally, and it's just a fairly subpar platformer. Oh man. So yeah, that that's that's my vote. And they talked about games that are not scary that scared me. Oh yeah. Um <laughs> I always had a weird fear of like NES games because it was not the system I grew up like I 
started playing Super NES games, and then I would go back and play NES games, and I would be so confused by some of the more abstract ones, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, what the hell is going on? And I specifically remember the games Legacy of the Wizard, where you just go down into this lab, you pick a family member and go down into this huge labyrinth, and you just have no idea what's happening, and I just always felt like I was playing it wrong, mm-hmm. and specific, and then uh, Back to the Future Part 2 and 3, right. which is an awful game, um, but you go down as Marty McFly, and you're fighting like weird hamburger people and again i just always felt like something am i not getting something about this game and somehow it's like you know fear of the unknown is the most frightening of all yeah and then the game the skateboard game 720 where this giant fireball would just come kill me randomly and it was very odd it was like the horrible uh yeti and ski i was just gonna say you just made me think that ski free is my answer the yeti scared the shit out of me yeah Yeah. he's sinistar also and he's so cuddly too the little yeti you look at him now he's adorable but he would he bites your damn head off yeah well, those are good. Ski Free like is that. a very like depressing game because it's like no matter how long you play, that Yeti's going to come eat you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, eventually <laughs> the Yeti comes for us all. you just stay on a hellish hill of eternity. Yeah. <laughs> all right, this first letter begins, Hi, Steve, and hi, not howdy for once, Woody. <laughs> okay. And possible guess. Uh, I just want to say thank you for being the voices in my ear for the last two months during these times. Hey, you're, you're welcome. I discovered you guys from a Q&A YouTube video from Aaron Plays where she said uh, this was one of her favorite podcasts. Thanks, you guys should Aaron give a Plays. shout out to the Aaron Plays bump. And I have, uh, because of this letter, I've started watching some Aaron Plays videos. Uh, she's very cool. Check her out. Okay. Yeah, I like her stuff. Is that Aaron with an E? E-R-I-N Plays, okay. one word. Yeah, she's, she's pretty awesome. Knows her stuff. Uh, being born in 91, I never had a 64 growing up. GameCube was my first console, but I have very fond memories of playing 64 at friends' houses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to make up for the lost time, I've been collecting 64 games for 14 years, <laughs> and I'm now up to 86 games. Okay. I'm at the point where all I have left to get is either absolute garbage or ridiculously expensive. Okay. I know that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I recently picked up, under your recommendation, Quake 2 as an alternative to GoldenEye splurged on both snowboard kids as a substitute for your normal kart racers. Yep. Good choice. Good choice. And couldn't pass up on NBA hang time because yes. it is Woody's not so hot take number one game. Okay. Also under hero is amazing. <laughs> Shout out to Andy. He'll be happy to hear that. Um, highlights of the podcast were definitely the Hey You Pikachu and Yoshi Story episodes. <laughs> oh, good. Cringing in the car with a friend when you pronounced <laughs> Steve Ezerman's last name, which you corrected later, and saying Wayne Gretzky was born in Brampton when it's actually Brant Ford. <laughs> okay. uh, even though I can barely skate. Boy, that's a highlight of the podcast, huh? Is you mis- <laughs> misremembering where Wayne Gretzky was born. It's a good one. Okay. Yeah. It says, even though I can barely skate, these things are ingrained in our brains as Canadians. Ah, uh, also, I see. A random Ultra 64 deep cut. I can't remember what episode, but you compared writing in a game to Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy, <laughs> and I had a good laugh at that. It was, it was probably Hey You Pikachu. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I always recommend this book, although this will probably be the only McCarthy book not adapted into a movie for obvious baby-swinging reasons. I get, okay. <laughs> that book's fucked up. Uh, I got goosebumps in the Mike Piazza episode where you first mentioned rumblings of Corona from a writer from China. Oh, I remember yeah. that, yeah just because it's insane to think about how things are now. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Woody, I hope you and yours are safe and well during these times. I wish you all the best in the future. Thank you for giving me an outlet. I'm currently on the WrestleMania 2000 episode. and can't wait to catch up. The end is nigh, but all great things must come to an end. Thank you. And that is Cameron offering peace and love from Stony Creek, Ontario. Oh, thanks for the good vibes, Cameron. Very pleasant, yeah. positive vibes. It was a nice little uh, walk down memory lane for us. Coming from our neighbors up north, living living in a seeming utopia compared oh, to us at this point. I miss but... Canada so fucking much. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, our next letter says, Dear Steve, Woody, and guests. No, and I need to, I need to conjugate this. Guest. 
open parentheses, question mark, open parentheses, S, question mark, close parentheses, close parentheses, comma. I like so, the, the way this has become the bit is like whether or not we have a listeners in, invent a new bit for your letter writing. Of whether I like or not we the have, bit. I like okay. the bit. I like it. Uh, thank you guys again for plowing through all these mediocre to terrible N64 games so that people like me don't have to go and be disappointed by them personally. <laughs> Uh, in a re- previous letter, my brother, at Shrug the Mighty, erroneously <laughs> claimed that I was defending Turok 2 Seeds of Evil as a good game. I remember this letter. Oh, I was also very timely. Uh, very timely. I was not. 16-year-old me was defending it. 30, <laughs> 39-year-old me gets that it doesn't hold up. Of course, the sibling rivalry fed into much of our N64 experience, seeing as split-screen and fighting games were the extent of our multiplayer experiences in the mid-90s with dial-up internet. I distinctly remember working very hard to not only beat every first place score on F-Zero X, nice. but to wipe my brother's scores right off the standings completely. Ooh, brutal. I can only assume I did it because I was an ass. <laughs> uh, do you have any sibling rivalry games that you play with that level of intensity? We clashed for hours over GoldenEye, Perfect Dark, and for some stupid reason, Fighter's Destiny. Okay. Thank you so much for your hard work and research, and that is from Nick Sterling at Man Make Hat. And make hat, I like that. That's awesome. Yes, Fighter's uh, Destiny is pretty good. If I, no, yeah. That was one of the, that was like our second episode, right? It was, so, yeah, yeah, very okay. second episode, uh, and that was fine. That one's still kind of held up as yeah. one of the better it, fighting games on the system. Um, so sibling rivalry games. Did you? I mean, your brother's a bit older than you. Did you is. play much? Um, yeah, he always he always kicked my ass at Mortal Kombat uh, three, which I feel like sort of developed my interest in sort of trying to understand how that game works. Mm-hmm. And um, he was also very good at Street Fighter 2 as a fighting game. And it's, it's frustrating because I, I don't see him a lot, but occasionally we will be in situations where I'm like, hey, let's play Street Fighter 2. And he still beats me. And I'm like, you don't play video games that much. <laughs> like, how are you beating me at this game still? It's terrible. But he was actually like actually out in the arcades, you know, putting putting his quarters on the corner of the screen. So yeah. he's got the real street experience on that. For sure, for sure. I think for me, I mean, the person I played games most with growing up was my sister, uh, and we played a lot of co-op games. I think the biggest, like, blowout, like, actual almost coming to blows real-life fight we had was over Golden Axe okay. uh, because our favorite bit was always uh, that little elf that steers, steals oh, your yeah. potions yep. in while you're at the campfire. You kick him in the face you and kick get him your in potions the, back. Kick him in the face, collect it back. My sister, I would hit the guy, and she would run in and take the, the potions, potions every time. <laughs> And Did so then, she at least play as the girl, so she had the best magic? Uh, I don't remember. Okay. I think we were always fighting over who got to be the dwarf. Oh, the dwarf is by far the best. The Love that dwarf. Dope. Oh, yeah, he's great. Uh, but, yeah, so then I would, of course, retaliate by taking power-ups that she needed or or taking mounts and killing one of hers. Like, you know, so it, it would get serious. Streets of Rage was also a moment, but uh, we were actually able to... Was Golden a game where you were able to hurt your other player yes yeah okay. you could yeah yeah all of those old beat-em-ups led you that do was it. the worst yeah like i don't know why that ever became an option in one of the turtles games i think it was the third turtles game for nes gave you the option to play a or b mode mm. which was like friendly fire or friendly no. fire but i could never remember which was which so oh. every single time we started and we're like oh yeah we can't hurt each other guess i gotta restart I don't know why they didn't think of just like friendly fire on off. Yeah, but. which is what they did with Streets of Rage Four. Yeah. Which is, I like that they left that option in just for <laughs> old old times' sake. But uh, yeah, yeah. So that was that was our big one, Golden Axe Streets of Rage. We fought over that completely, and then I got into a screaming match with like some friends of mine over Halo once, and realized I had to stop playing Halo competitively. But okay, yeah. I was I was never I don't know I I've never cared that much about winning video winning anything so me neither like that's that's kind of faded but like 
you know, when when you have a sibling that you're living with all yeah. the time and they they goad you and you goad them, yeah. you know, it's it becomes a bigger thing than if you were just playing with some friends. It's like, oh, good game. I'll get you next time. Yeah, that's true. Friendly yeah, ribbing, you know. Definitely sibling rivalry is more. And yeah, my sibling is 11 years older than I am. Yeah. So he was, it definitely felt like I needed to prove myself. For sure, for sure. Well, thank you everybody for listening. We are Ultra 64 on all of the different social media outlets. I've got another show out there. It's called Roger's List. It's the show where I am going through every single one of Roger Ebert's great movies and watching them with a different rotating guest. There's some great movies on that list. Great movies. Lots of great people coming up on it. It's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, And next week's episode, I'm really looking forward to. Okay, so... You know, generally there's a certain sort of logic to the way I'm lumping these games together, (laughs) you know, like some of them when they if they can't sustain a whole episode, you lump it with something that's thematically similar, multiple racing games, something like that. Helicopter games. But that leaves us with a couple games that don't really fit any category at all. So this is the grab bag episode. We're going to be playing three games that don't have anything to do with anything. So we're lumping them together. Majora's Mask, Perfect Dark. (laughs) And And Goldeneye again. No, the games we're playing this time are Wet Tricks, Rat Attack, and Iggy's Wrecking Balls. Oh, Iggy's Wrecking Balls didn't get its own episode? I can't I imagine not. it would. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So all of these are kind of <laughs> games that are really difficult to describe in any way or compare to anything. So we're going to play this grab bag this game of weirdos. the Boxes and Balls episode. The Boxes and Balls episode of the show. Uh, so you don't want to miss that. These are games <laughs> that uh, I've never played. I played a little bit of Rat Attack just to see what the hell it is. <laughs> I still can't answer that question. Okay. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see where, where this goes. But it's going to be an interesting one next week. Nice. So, uh, that sounds so fun. Tune in for that. And uh, in the meantime, to rock. Yay. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I have no, you know. We, you plumbed that uh, to rock, get ready to rock, I think, on the first to rock episode. I think I, and I, now I did that. I did that. You know, I That's, think we should just like turn, cast to rock three into the shadows of oblivion perfect. and move on. Like a regular rage war. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Bye. All right, Mr. Sister. I want you to tell me. No, better yet, stand up and tell the class.